Hello, everybody. This week's parish is parish of Shemais, and the Meshachachma, in his introduction to Sefer Shemais, says a very interesting thing. He says that we know the Rambam tells us that the reason we believe in the Nevuos, the prophecies of Moshe Rabbeinu, it's not based on the miracles that Moshe Rabbeinu did for us. It's based on the fact that at Har Sinai there was a revelation that the whole entire Klal Yisrael, the entire nation, reached the level of Nevi'im. They were able to see how HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke directly to Moshe Rabbeinu. And through that vision, Klal Yisrael understood that from now on, everything that Moshe Rabbeinu tells us, that is it. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to be told. And from now on, any Navi who comes after Moshe Rabbeinu and tries to, so to speak, change the Teras Moshe, even if he brings greater miracles than Moshe Rabbeinu did, it doesn't make a difference, because we saw that Kash Baruch Hu told us directly that Moshe Rabbeinu is the one, and we have to believe in him. And that's the Rambam, and that's how the Meshachachma goes on in the beginning of the year and explains. But he asked the obvious question. Moshe Rabbeinu at the time of Harsina was very much alive. He was very much a human being. And as we know, says the Meshachachma, there are many great tzaddikim, unfortunately. Not many, but there were definitely great tzaddikim, unfortunately, who later on in their life, they went bad. They stumbled. Every person has free will. As long as a person is living, a person has Bechiri, his free will. And the bigger the tzaddik, the bigger his, his struggles, the bigger his nisayinus are. So how could it be, says the Meshach when HaKadosh Baruch Hu trusted Moshe Rabbeinu and gave him this, so to speak, vote of confidence that whatever he says will be the tire for forever if he's still a human being. He still has the free will to make a decision. Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu will, so to speak, you know, twist this and make the terrorist say something which is not true. How did Akash Baruch Hu have the ability to give Moshe Rabbeinu that amount of power going forward? And the Meshach Hakman says it must be, it must be that Moshe Rabbeinu at that point had reached a level where he did not have the free will to sin in such a way as to, as to pervert the terror. Moshe Rabbeinu at that point must have reached a level where he was beyond the ability to sin that way. He had lost his Bechira to do such a thing. Well, if so, says Moshe Rabbeinu, then why was he still alive? We know that a person is alive in this world because of his free will, because of a person's choices. Says the Meshachachma that the way it works is as follows. A person is born with free will. Then the person works on himself and he pushes himself and he overcomes certain struggles and he's able to get himself to a point where he no longer really has free will to sin in those things. And then a person has free will to sin on different sins. And a person has to struggle and work with his free will on those sins. And a person builds himself up slowly and slowly and slowly that what used to be a struggle for him in the past is no longer a struggle for him now. And the new thing, the new frontier is a struggle. And a person can get himself to a point where there's many, 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 many sins which he has no temptation for. There's no struggle for him. He has no Bechira left on those things. However, since he's the one who created the situation that he has no free will to do those sins, since he's the one who got himself to the point where those things don't tempt him anymore, he gets the reward for every one of those sins he doesn't do, even though there's no more struggle left. Since he's the one who negated the struggle, he's the one who pushed himself there, he gets the reward for reaching that madriga, and the, all those actions that he did, even though they weren't hard for him, he gets the reward for that. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu, even though at the point when he's at Arsina, he no longer has free will to really sin in any serious way, he's still around and he's still getting schar because he got himself there. That's his effort and his creation, and he gets reward for that. And that's as the Meshachachim was really 
a person's role in this world. A person's role in this world is to grow in ways that he makes himself not have free will to do certain sins. He's supposed to make it that certain sins are beneath him and to keep raising that bar. And as he does that, although technically there's no struggle for him anymore, he's going to keep getting the reward and the schar for everything he managed to work past as if he still had the struggle because ultimately he's the one who got himself to that point. Later on in the Parsha, the Parsha tells us a story of the Miyaldais, the midwives, and the Mepharshim debate as to the who exactly were Shifra and Pua. That Barbara Nell, interestingly enough, learns that they were actually non-Jewish midwives. But the Gemara in Saita tells us, according to one opinion, that Shifra and Pua were Yechevet and Miriam. And the reason they were called Shifra and Pua is because these were so big nicknames. Shifra, says Rashi, was because she was in Shaperes Savlad, she would clean off the baby from the afterbirth. And Pua, says Rashi, was Miriam because she used to go and say poo poo. She used to calm the baby down and help, stop, help the baby stop crying. And Ebruchim in Das Torah points out, he says as follows He says, the first time a Torah is introducing to us this story of the Mialdas, the Torah is telling us about these two great women who withstood the trial of Parai's commands, and they risked their lives to save the Jewish people, and they ended up becoming the matriarchs of Klai Yisrael. Yechevet had Moshe, Miriam eventually had Betzalel, who built the Mishkan, Bate Kehuna, Bate Malchus, and who are they? How does the Torah describe them? The Torah says, this one used to clean off the baby, and this one used to say poo-poo to the baby. Says the Torah is telling us a very important concept. You see, a lot of people look at life and they say, look, I'll do the big important things in life. I don't do the little things. Little things, those little mitzvahs, little stuff, that's for, you know, other people. I do when the big stuff has to happen. And the Torah tells us what was the thing that the Torah puts down in Scripture, in the Torah, about Yechever. What's the thing the Torah puts down about Miriam? Was the way they took care of the children, that she was Mishap Peres a lot, and she was said poo-poo to the lot. Because big people... Great people understand that life is comprised of doing lots and lots of little things that are important. And every little thing that I have to do that needs to get done, that's important. And if I do enough of those and I do them consistently, that's going to make the big difference. And that's why Torah defines for us Yechevet. That's what Torah titles Yechevet and Miriam as Shifra and Pua, to tell us to never underestimate how important the little things are in life. And that's what makes us truly great. Later on in the parasha, the parasha tells us how Amisha was born, Amram went, and we married Yechevet. And the Gemara tells us in sight of the story that originally Amram divorced his wife. Once Pari made a decree that all the children have to, all the male children have to be thrown into the river. And then Miriam comes to him and she tells him that you're worse than Pari because Pari only decreed against the male children. You're getting rid of the whole class, so both the males and the females. And Amram goes back, says the Gemara, and he listens to Yechavid, sorry, to Miriam, and he remarries Yechavid, and that's where Moshe Rabbeinu was born. So Amos Yaakov asks the obvious question. He says, look, Amram was a Gadol Hadar, and he was put in an extremely, extremely difficult position. Pari made a decree to murder every ch- single male child that's born. And Amram has to decide, is this worth it? Does it make sense to keep having children in such a situation just to watch children be murdered? Does it make sense to have a, 
a nation where it's just going to be women, and chances are that the, the girls who are going to be born, the Egyptians are going to take them as wives and marry them, and so we're going to have no Klaisal anyways. So Amram definitely spent a lot of time thinking about this decision and to making, kind of giving it the proper thought, and he decided that it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it to have all these children killed and to have these girl children be taken by Egyptians as wives, and he decided to separate from Yecheved. And he understood that by doing so, the rest of the nation is going to follow him, and they're going to separate as well. So what exactly did Miriam come and go, oh, Ty, you know, if you don't have, if you're not married, you're not going to have girls. He didn't know that. Of course he knew that. Of course he took that. He thought, anyways, it's not worth it. So what exactly did Miriam tell him that made him change his mind? Why did Amram rethink it? Says the Emes Yaakov, it must be that Amram recognized that what Miriam is saying is not coming purely from logic. In logic, Amram held his right. Amram recognized that, as we know, Nushim women have a Bina Yisera. They have an understanding that's a little extra. It goes beyond the confines of logic, and they tap into something a little bit deeper. And Amram recognized that Miriam was tapping into something which, although despite logic right now, it seems that he should stop having children, but Miriam is telling him something that comes from her Bini Yisera, that there's something else going on over here, and he has to go against his logic. And as we know, the Gemara tells us, Miriam, in fact, had a nevuah, that by getting back together with Yechavet, Amram is going to have the Goyal of Yisrael, the Redeemer. And Amram was willing to, so to speak, humble himself and rescind his psak because he recognized that maybe there's something deeper going on over here, and that's why he rescinded. A fascinating idea from the Amos Yaakov that although sometimes, logically, it doesn't seem right, if there's a sense of Bini Yisera, of a certain level of Ruach HaKadosh, that the wife or the woman has, maybe sometimes it's worth listening to it. I want to end off with one last idea from Rav Hirsch. The parasha tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu was called Moshe by Basia Bas Parai, the daughter of Parai, and she says in the pasuk that because Kimin Hamayim because I drew him out of the water. So Rav Hirsch asks that if you're going to go with the grammar, you shouldn't call him Moshe. Moshe means one who drags out. He should be called Mashui, one who was dragged out. Why did Basia call him Moshe as opposed to Mashui? And he explains that Basia wasn't just telling Moshe Rabbeinu that from now on you should remember that you were pulled out of the water. She wanted to tell Moshe Rabbeinu that there's a reason why you were pulled out of the water. Why were you Mzeiche? Why did you merit to have this miracle that you were pulled out of the water? Because you're supposed to become a Moshe, somebody who pulls others out. You're supposed to be somebody who takes that miracle that was done to you and to use it to keep on giving to others. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu does. The Torah tells us very little about Moshe Rabbeinu. The first three episodes the Torah tells us all have one thing in common. Moshe Rabbeinu comes, he's living in the palace, and he goes out to see how everyone else is living. And the first thing he sees is a Jew being beaten by a Mitzri, and he gets involved, and he goes out of his comfort zone, and he stands up for the Yid, and he kills the Mitzri. The next time he sees another Jew beating another Jew, and he gets involved, he says, you're doing the wrong thing, and he stops them. The third time, he goes and the shepherds are attacking the daughters of Yisrael, and Moshe Rabbeinu gets involved again. And that's who Moshe Rabbeinu is. He's somebody who recognizes that what goes on in his life wasn't just for him. It was meant for him to take that and to keep it and give it over to others and to help them. And that's who the leaders of Ka Yisrael are. Sh'ol B'Zeichah, to have a wonderful Shabbos, and to use all of our Kaychas, everything we have, to keep on giving and to do for others and to help them as well. Good Shabbos.